Alright everybody, this is Hunter Sassel with the Traditional Archery and Everything Outdoors podcast. It's been about a year uh, since I've actually sat down and recorded a podcast. Uh, that being said, we've got some big news and we've got some good news. Uh, the podcast is back and it's here to stay. Uh, permanently I'll be trying to get an episode out. At least once a week. Uh, maybe once every two weeks. Uh, but anyways. To settle everything. Uh, we're going to do a little argument. Uh, not really an argument. We're going to talk about some different things. Uh, today's going to be a traditional archery focused episode. So if you don't want to watch this episode. That's just a disclaimer. This is going to be. A more traditional archery based episode. As these next three or four episodes are going to be. Uh, they're going to have some outdoor information too. Uh, and we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, different shooting styles. Of traditional archery. And how I choose to shoot and why. Uh, that being said. I would like to give. A shout out. To, I would like to give a shout out to the traditional bow hunting and wilderness outdoors podcast. The traditional bow hunting, that's my podcast I want to talk about. The traditional bow hunting and wilderness podcast. <clears throat> my apologies. Uh, because I'm only at about five or six episodes. Uh, however, his podcast is at like 300 and some episodes, I believe. He's got a lot of great content. He is not a paid sponsor, an endorsement, uh, by any means. I am not paid to mention his name. Uh, if you type in on the internet, tbwoutdoors.com, I believe, or tbwpodcast.com, one of the two. Click on his website. He's got a lot of great content for you guys that like listening to podcasts. Uh, so to kind of start the show, one of the things uh, we're going to talk about is gear setup. Uh, so the first thing we're going to address is my gear setup. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is arrows. Uh, the arrows I'm shooting right now are the... One second here. They are the gold tip uh, traditionals. Uh, they're actually the the blemished from Big Jim's Big Jim's uh, Archery dot com, I believe. You go on his website. He has gold tip blems for or blems or blemished for I want to say thirty forty bucks for a dozen. Uh, did you know anything about arrows? That's a really cheap price. It's a really good price. That's about half off. Uh, and what a blemished arrow is, is the vinyl wrap, the, the kind of wrap that they use. I don't know if it's vinyl, but whatever kind of wrap that they use, uh, every once in a while, it'll smear. It, it won't come out perfect. It won't have that perfect look. So it's blemished. It's marked with blemished. Uh, it does not affect the arrow flight or, or characteristics of the arrow at all. It's just an appearance issue. Uh, <clears throat> and I've got 
the 415 grain arrows and right now I'm shooting a 55 pound recurve at 28 inches so my draw length is probably like 58 it's probably like 56 57 because uh, my draw length is about 29 and a half inches uh, so that being said uh, there's a lot of factors uh, that go into play uh, one of the major ones is going to be what type of broadhead you're using if you're using a single bevel broadhead which is a one blade broadhead a, a single bevel uh, where the blade is sort of shaped like a wedge uh, you're going to want to match the bevel of your broadhead with the wing of your feather which means you're going to have a right wing bevel or left wing bevel which is going to be on the is going to it really what it means is which way the bevel is actually going uh, and the reason that it is simply aerodynamics uh, if you were having a left wing if you had left wing feathers and you had a right wing uh, bevel it would fly very wonky it would f it would be very inaccurate uh, and I had to learn that the hard way but anyways to simplify the terms you want everything to match uh, I'm shooting 125 grain four blade muzzy phantom SS's uh, those are my pref preferred uh, broadhead of choice uh, because they're cheap they're easy they're affordable uh, and they're and they're good broadhead uh, you can take the bleeder blade out of them and I believe they'd be 105 pounds that being said you can shoot whatever broadhead you want uh, I have no I have no problem with the Grim Reaper Hades design which is a very good broadhead uh, uh, an NAP uh, Thunderhead is another great design now uh, there, there's a lot of great broadheads out there you have to find the one that works for you and, and what purposes you're using uh, and another question I get asked a lot is what poundage are you shooting and I just mentioned it earlier it's 55 pounds uh, so my draw line is probably like 57. Uh, the reason I'm shooting 55 pounds is because that is a smooth, comfortable draw for me. I could shoot that bow all day. Uh, not very hard for me to do that. Uh, and that's the main reason why I do it. Because it's an easy bow for me to shoot. An easy poundage for me to shoot. And that just for me is a comfortable broadhead for me to use uh, not a comfortable broadhead but a comfortable uh poundage for me to use for several reasons all right so uh, another uh there's kind of really like a question and answer uh episode uh and we're on the next uh sort of to segue in the next one uh you want your bow set up for how you're gonna hunt uh if you're a ground hunter uh, and you're a traditional hunter, shooting a longer bow is not an issue. Uh, that that might not be a problem, especially if you're still hunting spot and stock ambush. But if you're a ground blind hunter, I would definitely definitely recommend a, a shorter bow because. If a bow is 62 inches tall, 
the amount of cant that you're going to have to put on that bow may may mess up your shot. Uh, and that's something that really doesn't bother me because I I'm short. I'm shooting a shorter bow. It's a 48 inch. It's a uh, no. It's not a 48 inch bow. It's a 52 inch bow uh, that I'm now. I'm looking at 48 inches is a string length. Uh, so it's not really that big a deal for me because I have a short little bow. Uh, but if you're shoot, shooting a long bow and, and you're in a ground blind, that can be quite a challenge. Uh, believe me, you actually have to buy a, a, a bigger ground blind because of the because of how tall the bow is. You gotta think if you're say 68 inches tall, which is I believe is that's like five nine, and a bow 62 inches. That's almost chin level, and you and you, you got to kind of bend over to get into a ground blind. So you got to take into consideration that. If I were to hunt a ground blind, I would honestly recommend a compound, or even a crossbow, simply because maneuverability. Uh, but if you're a spot and stalk hunter, a steel hunter, an ambush hunter, I we'll get we'll get into what all those terms mean here in a second. Uh, but for uh, the next topic we're going to segue into is is uh, 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 tree stand hunting. Uh, shooting a recurve uh, or longbow or anything like that in a tree stand can be a very, very difficult position because the bow is so long that it actually interferes with the tree stand itself. It doesn't wrap around the limbs and the way you have to hold a recurve as opposed to, even if you're holding it straight up and down, sometimes you'll find yourself hitting the bottom of the tree stand, causing noise, messing up your shot. Uh, but if I were to hunt with a recurve in a tree stand like I do sometimes, I like, me personally, I, I don't like little tree stands. I don't like uh, the little itty-bitty uh, $45 tree stands you find at Walmart. Uh Nothing wrong with that. If that's what you can afford, that's what you can afford. But I like a big, roomy, comfy seat. I like a bigger tree stand to where I can stand up on it and I can, I kind of have a, a good little step in either direction. And that's just a comfort thing for me. That's fr- coming from a person who was afraid of heights, who was terrified of heights. And, and but, you know, being in a tree stand kind of overcame that over the years, but I just like a, a bigger tree stand just for comfort reasons. Uh, even the bigger ones, you'll find some of them have like a little incline, like a little incline uh, to to rest your feet on, and they're just more comfortable. They're they're you know they're just simply a comfort factor. If you're gonna hunt, uh, you're gonna want to be comfortable. Whatever you're doing, you're gonna want to be comfortable. Uh, but to hunt, if you have a little bit bigger tree stand, that can allow you a little bit more room. That can allow you a little bit more of a shot. Uh, for me, the way I set up my tree stand usually on a trail or on a choke point where several trails come into another. On This is deer trails, by the way. Uh, I try to set it up to where... 80% of my shooting lane is on my left side because if I'm sitting in the tree stand on my left side to about the middle 
to where my left leg starts. So about about uh, let's say 110 degrees worth of space. Uh, I don't have to stand up. I can sit down and I can camp that bow comfortably. But you get on the right side. That's where it gets tricky, uh, especially if you have a little tree stand and you're trying to maneuver the bow and you're trying to step. And that that's just a lot of movement up in a tree too. Uh, and that little tree stand, it, it kind of makes it uncomfortable. So that's why I like a bigger tree stand. So I, I can move around uh, easier in a bigger tree stand. Uh, and th- th- that's just one thing to consider. Uh, you know, they even the tree lounges that I had, and I have a tree lounge in one of my tree stands, and it's uh, the tree stand itself isn't that heavy. It's probably 30, 40 pounds. Well, maybe thirty pounds at the most, I'd say, because it's made out of aircraft grade aluminum. It, it, it's a pretty solid tree stand, actually. Uh, and it's like sitting in a lazy boy up in a tree, and all it is is a big tree stand. You can stand up in it comfortably. It has the arm that goes and closes it, it all the way around. Uh, and when you stand up, uh, the problem with like a double tree stand sometimes is the bar will be right in the way of your bow. Uh, that tree lounge, however, <clears throat> very comfortable. You can stand up, and you've got four or five inches from your bow. And then that's one reason I like that tree, like that tree stand. Uh, another tree stand is the, I think they're called the big game tree stands. Uh, you can find them at, at Cabela's, Rural King, uh, any, any real sporting goods store will have them. Uh, that's just the closest to, to my area would be Cabela's and Rural King. Uh, Cabela's will have them, uh, big game tree stand or big buck tree stands. Uh, they make one, I think it's, uh, they make one called the Buck Defender, or, or the Big Buck Hunter, maybe, or the Buck Hunter, something, something along those lines, and it's a bigger tree stand, it's a, I want to say it's a 48 by 32, which is a pretty big tree stand, and I like it a lot, because it's comfortable, it's big, I can move around, it's got a little... A spot on the back to rest your back on the tree, and it doesn't sit directly behind the tree. It has like a little in, a quarter inch between it, and uh, that's just comfort for me. Uh, so another thing that you really want to consider is your tree stand, how you're going to be hunting, what you're going to be hunting with. Uh, now for the ground hunter, uh, if you're a traditional hunter, you cannot go wrong with a ghost blind. Ghost blind, for those of you who don't know, it is a lightweight, packable, ground blind, quote-unquote. Really what it is, is it's a piece of cardboard that is backed. On the back side, it's just, I don't even think it's cardboard. It's more of a, uh, a laminate, uh, sort of laminated plastic. So on the one side, there's a mirror finish. And it's like, and it projects whatever is in front of you as a simulation not as a simulation but as a reflection so if you have that and you have a a, a a little stool that you can sit on that can be very comfortable and I would definitely recommend a, a ghost blind for any ground hunter uh, that, that can be a very valuable tool although it might get annoying having to pack that thing out of there every time but I really just put it Put it in the back of my pack, not the back, of my, the back of my pack, and leave it 
you know, zip it up between there, and it, and it fits very comfortably. It's not a big hassle. Uh, so Ghost Blind is a, it's not a must-have for a ground, for a ground hunter. Uh, you can set up natural blinds that work way better. Uh, but the Ghost Blind is a, it is a cheap, accessible option for a hunter. Uh, and uh, I like them, I like them personally. And then Spot and Stalk. Spot and Stalk is where you're going to find who are most of your recurve hunters. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, Spot and Stalk refers to you walk at a very slow pace until you spot an animal and then you stalk the animal. Uh, Spot and Stalk uh, hunt works like this. Uh... You go into the woods, you walk at a, at a slow pace, maybe to one spot. You stop at that one spot, you might stop there 10, 15, 20 minutes. You go to the next spot, maybe that's a, a 500 yards down, next spot, next spot, next spot, next spot, whatever. Oh, look, I see a deer. And that deer might be, let's say you're glassing, uh, and you're in heavy timber, and that deer might be 2,000 yards. Your deer's right there, and you're right here. You're going to very slowly close the different distance from 1,000 yards to 500 yards, from 500 yards to 100. Then from 100 down to bow range. Is what's going to take the longest. Because you're going to have to be on your toes. And that's if the deer stays still. If the deer's walking around in a little area. You might have two hours on a deer. Uh, and that's my preferred way of hunting. Because that's the biggest challenge for me. As a hunter I really like that style of hunting. Uh, and you can be quite successful at it if you know what you're doing. And a big factor of that is the type of camouflage you're ha you have uh, and I'm not a big camouflage brand I, I don't just wear Under Armour I don't just wear Mossy Oak I wear whatever whatever I can afford and whatever works the best I might have especially in the early season I have a pair of Mossy Oak uh, I think they're called Duck Light Pants and they're the Mossy Oak uh Mossy Oak Extra Green, I believe. Uh, and I, they're really light. They're made out of like a, a, a sort of denim type material. And they're really reliable. They're really tough. They, they breathe. I like them because they work. And then the top I usually wear is a real tree. Is a real tree. Uh, hardwood. Hardwoods Extra with, you know some green to it and it's a long sleeve little pullover but button down shirt whatever you want to call it and it has breathable armholes and it's really breathable and i just wear that because that's the most comfortable hunting shirt that i own that's not a brand endorsement again i'm not paid by any of these people to mention them uh, to mention their names for any reason now the the boots that i happen to wear are Depending on the, on the time of the year, they're my Under Armour, 
uh, Bozeman boots. These ones have 600 grams of fence laid in them. Uh, and those are like my mid-season, mid-late, my mid-to-early-late season, like my mid-fall to mid-winter boots. Uh, they're comfortable from anywhere from about, I'd say, 47 degrees till about 25 degrees. From So from... To actually to wear them I'd say from 50 to 25 degrees is the comfortable range of those boots anywhere in there uh, and so then if it's hot I have a pair of old military boots uh, uh, the jungle the ones with the OD green on them those are my early season hiking in the wood boots uh, hot day boots uh, whatever you want to call them early season and then for late season I have a pair of Irish Shedder Leather boots that have, I want to say, 1,500 grams of tinsulate in there for my extremely cold winter days. They, they, they're they not iron setter, they're lacrosses, they go clean up to your shim. They're a really good pair of boots nonetheless. And so, the, the boots you have play a factor too. You need a good, comfortable pair of boots. And when you buy those boots... You need to absolutely break those suckers in. You need to go hiking with them. You need to walk the trails with them. You need to wear them every single day. Because a good pair of boots will take 50 plus miles to break in. Like my Under Armors, they took half. I didn't wear them because I wanted to protect them. I wanted to save them until hunting season. Literally, it took until mid hunting season for me to really break them in and that was after I'd say 80-90 miles of walking and then you know it took them that long to break in to where they're comfortable now and now probably put gosh I bought them three years ago so they've been through three hunting seasons I've had to waterproof them two three times now with the spray because after the first 90 I'd say when it rains, uh, I'd say the first 15 times you're exposed to water, they're good. But after that, the waterproof starts to degrade. And, and that's nothing against Under Armour. It's the material of the boots, actually. Uh, they're not Gore-Tex. They're a leather. And I think the, the actual Gore-Tex stays dry, but the actual leather doesn't. Uh, so if you, can, if you go to the store... And you buy the, like, canvas waterproofer, the canvas and leather, all-weather waterproofer. Spray those bad boys down real quick. Shoot three or four layers of that on it. You won't have to put another layer on until mid-winter. And that, that, I like that. And then the Irish, the lacrosse ones that I have that are leather that go up to my knee, that go up to my knee, they, they are extremely waterproof but they are extremely heavy even in the middle of winter the dead smack negative five degrees if you are not careful and you're wearing if you're hiking too fast you'll definitely overheat and those boots will make you overheat easily uh 
But anyways, that's about enough about footwear. The one of the most important things is match your camos to where you're hunting at. Uh, but camo doesn't play that much in it. It doesn't matter what brand. Uh, camo, all camo brands are good until you start moving. Then you start having problems with. Then you start having problems. Uh, with people with deer seeing you because they see the movement and you stick out like a sore thumb when you're moving with camo on. Solid colors actually, and this is a fact. Solid colors, while you when you're sitting still, they're more obvious. They're more obvious, but when you're moving, very hard to detect. And so that that really covers a camo. Make sure you're wearing a good camo that matches the environment well. Uh, don't obviously don't wear desert camo in the middle of September in the Pacific Northwest. And then don't wear woodland green. Don't wear uh, what's that called? Uh, woodland camo in the middle of Alaska. Don't wear that. Wear camo that sort of matches your environment and your terrain. The similar trees to what you're going to see other places. Uh, and that really covers camo. Uh, but the biggest thing uh, for hunting, and this is going to be the next episode, is the importance of practice and shot placement. Arrow type, broadhead type. That'll be the next episode. That'll come out. Uh, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to produce that on Thursday. That's gonna be my not Thursday, but Wednesday is gonna be my goal to get that out to you guys. And that one, we're shoot. I'm shooting around 45 minutes for that one. Uh, and that really, that's it. That wraps this podcast up. Uh, I'm sure y'all are glad that I'm back. Uh, I'm glad to hear from y'all. Uh, honestly, I'm glad to be back. Glad to be providing good information for you guys. Sorry about the names. Uh, usually I have a little logbook in front of me. Today I didn't have it, and, and so I was kind of freestyling. Uh, and I, I don't think this is that bad of a podcast for, for freestyling, but uh, leave a comment. Uh, if you'd like more episodes like this, or if you'd like some of the old episodes that I had where it was very structured, there was notes, uh, and I explained things in depth. Uh, if you have any questions, email me at huntersampson304 at gmail.com. Again, that is huntersampson304 at gmail.com. Uh, because I'd like to do a question and answer podcast. Sure, soon in the next couple weeks. Again, that's Hunter Sampson, 304 at gmail.com. And to wrap this up, God bless y'all. Y'all have a blessed weekday. I know it's hard. I know tomorrow's Monday. uh, Because I'm recording this on a Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. I've got to go to work myself. Uh, Hopefully, this makes y'all's week better. And see y'all later. Shoot straight. Shoot straight, and I'll pray that I'll pray that you shoot straight, and you pray that I shoot straight. Everybody have a great hunting season. Bye.